July, we at the podcast just relearned how to use a computer. BMW and Clemson are testing driverless cars to keep defensive linemen off the roads and safe. Big game Bob Stoops is focused on winning championships in the bingo hall. Clemson is shooting up the 2018 recruiting boards, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we just realized that the last four and a half months of shows we've been recording never ended up posting to the internet. Uh, so we're just going to pick, pick up like nothing happened and uh, keep going. Um, in seriousness, uh, sorry for the hiatus. We a um, lot longer than we expected, but um, really the last time you heard from us, I guess Atlanta still had a shot at the Super Bowl. So it's it's been a while. But um, guys, what have, what have you been up to? Well, first off, I don't think that warrants an apology. It was a long, grueling season last year, and we put in a lot of time and effort. We worked our butts off, and I think we deserved the break. Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't want to say that it was like. Fatigue, but yeah, I felt a little bit like Ben Bowler in the last game. We were we were just out of gas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, peaked at the right time though. Blood, sweat, and tears, man. Blood, sweat, and tears all over this garage floor. Ben, what have you been up to in this in this off season? I got married, man. Yeah, it was uh, pretty awesome. Had a had a wedding out here in San Francisco. Married my beautiful wife, Sarah. Um, had a bunch of family and friends travel out. It was a really awesome time. There were no less than two cadence counts at the at the reception, so that was pretty awesome. Tell me, how about you? Uh, yep. Bit the bullet and bought a house out here in the Bay Area. Um, sold one of my kidneys for that um, <laughs> that distinction, but I still got the other one, so that's going well. You're not looking so good right now, uh, I must say. It's, it's the beer. Yeah. Uh, Cody, how about you? Well, at 29, closing in on 30, I uh, just trying to fine tune my, my love life and my uh, you know dating life right now. It's a good time in the off season, I, I think, when you can you know put your number one priority Clemson football aside, focus on the ladies, and you know like you know, Bumble giveth and Bumble taketh away. Uh, if you don't know Bumble, you, maybe Tinder would be the your alternative there in the South. But anyway, um, it's been a great off season. I'm ready to get back and talk about Clemson. Football. So, have you found more success in Clemson football or Bumble? Clemson football, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't pity you for that. Well, before we get into talking football here, um, we'll kick off a, an old tradition here at the podcast, talking about the beer we're drinking. And um, I know you guys down in the south, um, this brewery founded out here in California, Lagunitas. Um, they opened what a brew house in Charleston, guys. You were down there recently. Uh, they did open one in Charleston. I hesitate to go because we have it out here, so it's really no big deal to me. I don't know to what extent uh, that they, uh, their whole roster of beers, to what extent they brew all of those uh, down there. Um, but here we have the Little Something Ale. It's a wheat ale. It drinks a lot like an IPA. Uh, pretty high alcohol content. I think it's probably pretty, fairly high up there on the IBU uh, scale. But uh, it's, a, it's a great beer. Yeah, if you can find it, uh, if you're into IPAs but you're looking for something new, this is this is for you. Um, it is seven and a half percent. And if you're actually into Hefeweizens um, and you're maybe not interested in going full bore into the IPAs, little something, some ale, check it out from Lagunitas. And the thing is, I mean, everybody drinks their regular Lagunitas IPA, right? And to me, that's like the Budweiser of IPAs. It's so common. It, it drinks kind of plain. It's like your regular non-offensive IPA. But Lagunitas does so many other. Uh, good beers that if you haven't been down to the brew house in Charleston, I would definitely get down there and check it out. Absolutely. Uh, well, guys, I guess we should pivot, talk about football for a minute. Um, but maybe before we get into that, Ben, anything in the off season, you're kind of our resident in-house um, basketball and baseball guy. 
from a passion standpoint. Um, those seasons obviously came and went during our hiatus. Any parting thoughts from those those yeah. Uh, seasons? Yeah. So after uh, pretty much after recruiting, after National Signing Day, I just I just kind of checked out from football for a little bit. I paid attention a little bit to to, to spring practice, but we were just so emotionally tied to, to football and winning that national championship that you know I think we all kind of needed to break. But I was still looking forward to Clemson sports, and I was hoping uh, to have that transition to basketball, and baseball at that point. Uh, in the year, the the basketball team had a pretty good uh, non-conference. Uh, they played pretty well in their non-conference games, and things were looking up. Had talented guys on the team. Obviously, John Boston game back for his uh, senior year, so things were looking up there. Uh, you know, it looked like they were shoe in to make the tournament. Um, if they had even a decent, you know, middle of the road ACC run, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And then uh, baseball kind of did the same thing. You know, they started off hot. And it, it just kind of went to crap uh, midway through the season. So I was looking really forward to those things to get me through the offseason, just kind of turn my attention away from football a little bit. But, you know, it just didn't come to fruition. Um, and with basketball, man, like to lose the way that this team did to Oakland in the NIT, blew a 20-point lead in the second half, that was, that was amazing. And I did not think for one second that Brad Brownell was going to survive. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. And sure enough, here we go. Um, we, he gets a contract extension, although not a bad thing um, because it lowers his buyout. So I essentially figure next year if he doesn't make the tournament that, I mean, I think it has to be tournament or bust and they, they get rid of him. But yeah, it's a clever way, I think, for the administration to maybe not sever ties entirely um, with a very expensive buyout, maybe plan for the future somewhat. You know, I, I do like the way they handled that as well as giving a, a coach like Brad Brownell, you know, kind of the dignity to continue to maybe prove it one more year with his system. That well, he brought he's in. trying something different with these transfers. I mean, kind of one of the problems is people transferring out of the program. Uh, we see uh, Roberton and Ty Hudson transfer out this year. Uh, we lose Boston game, but we have, a, we do have some guys coming in next year. You know, uh, David Scara is going to be eligible. He's a six, eight forward. Uh, he played a Valpo and has some tournament experience there. Um, we get this uh, Michigan grad transfer guy, played a lot there, Mark Donald. He's a 6'9 forward. And then Amir Sims, a four-star 6'8 forward coming in. So the, the, the front court is where we really need to reload. We have guards, um, and that's exciting looking next season. So maybe it comes together. Who knows? Uh, but my, my disappointment was that for the first time, I saw Brad Brennell lose a team this year, um, and it, just, it doesn't bode well. It doesn't give me confidence moving forward. I, I agree. I think next year could be bad, but at the same time, the continued development of the transfers, the offensive first guys that are having to play defense for the first time in their career, who knows? Uh, they, if they don't, they don't play on the defensive end, they don't play at all. So, you know, that's something to keep them honest. Maybe one last point on basketball. Jerron Blossom game could have went last year as a friend's first round pick, waited to this year. His three-point shooting fell off, just completely fell off the map. And he goes in the very late second round, which is not a guarantee that he's going to sign with the San Antonio Spurs. Second to last pick. Yeah, but he has all the makings uh, in terms of what they do in San Antonio, one of the most you know, prestigious organizations in all of the NBA. And it would be amazing to watch him develop there and become like a rotational player for them. He could he could do big things. They have a shooting coach, turn around Kawhi Leonard shooting, could potentially do the same for for Boston. Yeah, I mean, if he was going to go to any team, that's a great opportunity. But like you said, he has to make the team first. Um, and then – Speaking of him and a problem that has been with Brownell was player development. We haven't seen Dante Grantham develop any, and it was just kind of a joke to me. I mean, I, I totally agree with him going into that NBA draft, test the waters now that they've changed the rules just to get the experience. But it's laughable, like the tweet or whatever, excited to announce I'm withdrawing from the NBA draft and coming back my senior year. It's like, no, yeah, of course you are. You're not even close to – I mean, let, let's let's try to – you know, let's try to be a good player for Clemson basketball, a sub-mediocre program, right? Like, don't give me that. Like, I could have gone. You couldn't have gone. You're not even close. How about how about on the diamond? How about baseball team this year? Uh, Monty Lee. It just wasn't going to be that easy. It wasn't going to be him come, here, come in, have a great year last year, do a great run at the end of the season, win the ACC. Um, going into this year, Seth Beer coming back, um, have a great start to the first half of the season, and then just kind of went downhill. But, you know, listen, he's, he's done really well so far. 
at Clemson. You know, both years he's he's hosted a regional. Um, Seth Beer was in a little bit of a slump this year. Um, I think standing a little bit too close to the plate. Um, guys started testing him inside, but you know, a lot of other You're guys. Saying the beer went flat. <laughs> the beer went flat. I mean, he still hit like 300 uh, with a good chunk of home runs, but uh, you know, the the pitching didn't hold up this year. A uh, lot of injuries. And kind of what makes it worse is coming back next year is we lost all four starters uh, from yeah. this year's team. Although you have Seth Beer, Chris Williams, Logan Davidson. What a great year. Uh, freshman st- uh, shortstop. He had a fantastic year uh, this year, as did Reed Rollman. Um, uh, hitting, I think he led the team in hitting. So we'll see. We'll see who can uh, take the reins next year on the pitching staff. That's my biggest question is who's going to be the starters and can they be productive? If they can, I think our... Uh, lineup is going to be formidable, but I don't think it's going to be just yet. Keep Give Monty Lee a little bit more time. He has to build his program, but we'll get there. I mean, he's already, again, he's hosted two regionals in two years. So far, so good. Yeah, I think for sure for a new new coach coming in, you got to temper your expectations. I think that first year almost could not have been any better um, than it ended up. Tough to lose to Oklahoma State at home for us, but they were, they were a great team as well. Um, and this year, Clemson faced a tough team also you know, at home in the regional. Lucky to get that bid, I thought. Um, and I know that was off-talked about across the board. But um, anyway, I mean, yeah, maybe not the step forward we were looking for, but he's still, you know, early on in his tenure. And um, I think really it is about, yeah, replacing the depth at pitching. But, um, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, like seeing all those guys go where they did in the draft, like that has to be help helpful. Yeah. Well, um, we got one more year of beer as well. And listen, yeah, I mean, you're seeing an evolution – uh, of a team from the Jack Leggett era to the Monty Lee era. Uh, and there's going to be some some stumbling blocks, right? But through those growing pains, he still had two 41 season, seasons and hosted two regionals. So listen, if this is you know going to be considered the, the low point or the tough transition, yeah. we're going to be fine. Yeah. Guys, let's move on to football here. And I want to kick it over to Cody. Cody, I'm interested in what's really been keeping you occupied and interested in the offseason and I got a hunch it's recruiting. Um, generally, that's your your kind of passion with Clemson football, keeping track of how we refill the you know the coffers, so to speak. Um, let me ask you. I mean, judging by who we've had commitment wise, and I'll let you touch on those guys. Um, do you think this 2018 class could be the best, if not one of the best, Clemson recruiting classes of all time? I think pound for pound, it it probably it has the making so far, and it probably will be when all is said and done. It's it's another small class. It's just the way things have shaken out uh, in the last couple of years. It's unfortunate too because we're at the 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 peak of uh, of Clemson football right now. We're still, you know, we're still have these small classes, but we're essentially creating a board at each position, and we're taking the top guy. And you know, since we last recorded, you know, not counting the lost episodes that didn't make it, um, <laughs> we've had like four or five commitments. I'll just t- touch on like the more recent ones. Um, but you know, defensive tackle. I think we had Josh Belk. Um, we had Braden Galloway out of out of Seneca, this three star high upside tight end, looking like kind of like Dwight or uh, like Jordan Leggett. Um, most recently, though, last week, Darnell Jeffries, a, a three star, will be in short order a four star defensive tackle prospect, kind of this hybrid between defensive tackle, defensive end, high high upside. Alabama really wanted him, and I think that just goes to show what this guy, what, what why Clemson, you know, locked in on him, even though he's he's lower in the in the recruiting rankings. And then most recently, Kyler McMichael, uh, an athlete who will play probably defensive back for us um, at every position group. And this is just recent. It's like we're, we're taking these top 100 guys. We're here's our board, and and we're just handpicking them. And you know we're not getting we're missing out on a couple, but for the most part, we're landing these high four star, even in some cases five star players. And we you know one we missed Xavier Thomas. Um, from out of, well, he's at IMG Academy now, but the best defensive end in the class, maybe one of the best prospects since Robert Kimdichie or Javion Clowney, that's a huge, huge pickup. Yeah, and that kind of, I mean, that one kind of came out of the blue. And to me, he kind of seemed like a prima donna uh, heading up into that, you know, just, you know. Some the commitment of, came out of the blue. Yeah, like the commitment. Clemson was the, in the top two. The commitment but, did yeah. come out of the blue, and I was still, and even when it happened, I was like, okay, let's let's wait and see. There's a long time until National Signing Day. It's almost a year away but he has been completely on board all in for Clemson he's hit the ground uh, recruiting with other prospects and you know listen I trust the coaching staff 
like to gauge these uh, players, their uh, their character and their personalities. And so, you know, I believe he's here to stay. Just from his actions and his enthusiasm for Clemson, absolutely. You know, I, I think he's in. And, um, you know, just like you were saying, uh, Cody, it, we're seeing a turning point. I mean, if it hasn't already happened a couple years ago, it's very obvious now. You know, every four- to five-star recruit out there from the south, east, uh, west of Texas, and north of Pennsylvania is considering us, right? They've got us in their top five, top ten. And that just goes to show you where this program's at right now and uh, what a great job recruiting uh, this coaching staff has done. Couple, a couple thoughts. You're talking about Xavier, uh, Xavier Thomas as well as um, the guys along the interior line. So this is, you know, you, you asked totally if this could be the best def- or best recruiting class in Clemson history. I think on the defensive line, it's by far the best we've ever had. At each position, we're getting a strong side defensive end, the number one player in the nation, Xavier Thomas. Uh, Josh Belk, who's who's really a four star, right? Or he's three star right now, but he'll he'll push up into like a into a four star, top one hundred player. He's your nose tackle. Darnell Jeffrey is your prototypical three three technique. Uh, you know your um, your Christian Wilkins, your Carlos Watkins can shoot the gap. Perfect skill set for that. And then one guy remaining, KJ Henry, out of top fifteen guy, five star guy. He's your weak side, first step quickness, uh, you know, that fast twitch defensive line or a defensive end that can get after the quarterback. It's like the best defensive line. You, you couldn't have, like, crafted these guys in a lab better than uh, than what we're seeing. Credit to Todd Bates, the new defensive line coach, after Marion Hobbies departed. So I think that's a big pickup. He's not just a good coach. He is a hell of a of a salesman, recruiting guy. So uh, that that's looking really good. If, if you didn't notice, both of the defensive lines in the, in the, uh, in the national championship game they were probably the best two in the nation, and that 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 looks good going forward. You know, Bates, for sure. I really love his enthusiasm, um, and I think he's a great fit uh, fit for our program, uh, especially after you really you lose two of your D line coaches um, that had a big impact uh, and had a lot to do with uh, why Clemson's defensive line is so good, how much they develop, and why we've ultimately won a national championship. Uh, going back to KJ Henry, you know I've kind of thinking all along for some reason I'm like he's already on the team he's already committed just because of all the good things I've heard and read but but that's not the case where do you think we stand with him right now we lead there's other guy other teams in contention namely Georgia and uh, I believe Alabama but I think we're still narrowly ahead but you know you never know how things go um Zamir White is the one just enigma out of this whole if you don't know Zamir White is from North Carolina running back I don't want to talk about the guys that we will miss out on, but by the time this is published, he'll probably he'll probably be a bulldog, Georgia bulldog. I don't know. That's the oddest one. I, I don't know. He uh, we we led early on, and he ended up going the other way. Uh, Georgia kind of took took their uh, took hold of him, and 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 have led for over the last like six months. So that I don't know. There's no telling what could happen with with Henry there, but yeah, you, you never know. Well, and running backs can be a position of need of need too. Yeah, I guess they're selling him Todd Gurley and some like NFL upside, uh, but we could definitely use Samir White. Yeah, we can sell him on rings. How many they got? There you go. Um, there you go. So, one guy I'm really excited about. We signed a kicker. Uh, really excited <laughs> He's a with a, a scholarship, a, a three-star kicker on scholarship, and I've been like for a long time, like man, I've been looking back at Alabama, I'm like Alabama signs like three and four-star kickers. Um, and, you know, you know you've arrived as a program, you know, when you get three-star kickers. I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're, we're I, I will say this for, giving the scholarship. I will say out. this for Greg Hugel. I'm, I come into this year finally confident um, in him the first few years. He's been consistent, but it, they were all just really easy kicks, right? Nothing, nothing seemed too difficult. They weren't too far. Now coming into his third year, I feel confident in him, but where do we go after that? B.T. Potter. B.T. Potter. Not B.J. Potter. B.T. Potter. Um, <laughs> How do you transition off the yeah, kicking tough. game in recruiting? Um, <laughs> so special teams were in good shape. Cody, I wish you could give me good news about maybe someone that could throw the football. Anybody like that considering Clemson? Yeah, so, yeah the best. Like, we have, we've gone this long. We haven't talked about probably the best quarterback recruit in like since Peyton Manning in like 25 years. So. We do have Trevor Lawrence in the fold. That is special. And what's great is if you look at rivals, their top 100, their top 150, 
one and three belong to us, and potentially there could be more. We'll see how things shake out over the next few weeks. I don't have a lot to say uh, about Trevor Lawrence that hasn't already been said, just because I think we all know how special he is and what that what that could potentially mean as soon as next year. But I think like to a greater the greater point being um, things I've heard uh, about Clemson's program from like national guys, and we'll talk more about like just kind of the state of the program where we where we shake up. But I think this new facility has has put Clemson uh, in the same kind of the same conversation with with teams like uh, Ohio State, Alabama. You got, you have the championship. You throw that big trophy in into the player facility, and it when when players go there, we always had the atmosphere. This is kind of like just the the icing on on top here with the, with the player facility because everyone it seems like they're going they're going to Clemson. They love they love Dabo. You got to go check it out. Well, right, it, 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 it's it's it really they come away impressed, and it's like wow, this is amazing, and there's no place like it. So you know, it's really interesting you say that because it's almost like polar opposites with Alabama with Clemson. They get these guys in here, they get locked in, and they lock them in early. Like you can tell they're committed early. We round out our recruiting class fairly early, and they haven't been that big in recent years. Alabama, on the other hand, currently ranked like 54th in recruiting on rivals because they got five recruits. Now you know at the end of the day they're going to be top three, and they're going to have like 30. Uh, but it is interesting to see the different tactics and the different methods, um, and you've seen the results on the field. Yeah, Alabama's a dynasty, no question about it, but Clemson started to break through, uh, so that tells you that Dabo's system is working. I've heard it compared to Clemson being the, the East Coast USC back from the, back from the days of like Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, um, and, and those guys, like in terms of just breaking in talent, and more than that, creating like this atmosphere, like this rock star, Rockstar lifestyle, not, and I don't mean necessarily in the same way of like in LA, but what when you go to because <laughs> it's, yeah. cause it's Clemson, Clemson versus is far LA, from being LA. LA East, <laughs> yeah, LA East, whatever you want to call it, but just like this, like this thing that when you go when you yeah, go in Clemson, you're infected. Is yeah, you're infected. It's yeah. magnetic, and, um, and the only yeah. difference is all the cows, right? Couple, right. Couple yes. Yes, man. Yep. Cows. No, absolutely. I mean, maybe we can. You, you mentioned it. I mean, where Clemson sits in kind of the overall college football, like power rankings or pecking order, um, is interesting at the moment. I mean, we've talked about that on the po- the podcast since we started of, you know, kind of what's our what's our best aspiration for this team in terms of like where they could stand nationally. And, you know, yes, going to the national championship two years in a row, winning it this past year. Um, you know, I, we've ascended, you know, and Clemson's certainly up there. I mean, of the quote-unquote blue bloods, blue blood programs out there that you know are perennially in the conversation, you know, we can kind of take stock of that right now and be like, you know, I'll just rattle off some names like who who's got it better than Clemson right now? You know, maybe you can consider Alabama and Ohio State are like right there. Um, Bama, let's just go ahead and put them above Clemson. But you know, would you say right now with their coaching turnover that LSU or Oklahoma have a have a stake to that claim? No, absolutely not. Uh, you throw Florida State in there. Florida State definitely. I'd say neck and neck. Maybe they have an edge. Just you know, they've got sort of a an institutional kind of you know muscle memory there of running this program, and you know Jimbo's done great work. But I don't know. Maybe that the guard is changing there too, um, at least in the ACC. But okay, so you got those. What about you know? I don't even think these guys have proved it recently. But Michigan. No wait. Yeah, this, this is the thing that angers me the most. Wait until Jim Harbaugh actually does something at Michigan. I Because everybody talks about how he's going to, like, like he's the best coach in college football right now, and he hasn't done anything yet. He's a distraction. I'm going to anger Ben here, and maybe you too, totally. I think he is, uh, he's a force to be reckoned with. And even though they're not quite there yet, I think he's taken limited talent, and he's made it into a playoff contender. And I think I in think a very are, weak Big Ten. Yeah, I guess you know Penn State. How, bad, bad, did, how, how bad did we beat their best team last year in the playoff? What was that score? <laughs> thirty-one again? to zero. Oh, thirty-one to zero. Hmm. I, look, I'm not. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying. So I mean, no, Michigan still has something to prove. They're in the conversation. They're not above Clemson. No, no, not at all. But I think I think going you know over the next three or four years they're going to be right there neck and neck yeah. at our hills. Can I? Can I? Michigan's won one national championship since like 1948. Clemson's won two. All right. Any other schools you guys would throw in there in the conversation? I mean, I, I'm certainly I feel like Clemson is an unequivocal kind of top five in this era of blue blood. And we'll see USC claims to be on the rise again, only a matter of time before they get sanctioned again. And, you know, we'll see how Sam Darnold plays out with 
some actual expectations this year. But, you know, across the board, I think we're in a good good spot. And that kind of leads me to expectations for this year. You know, if you look at there's kind of a kind of a dichotomy or like, a you know, two different schools of thought going on right now in college football fandom, there's some faction of the media. You've got ESPN and Athlon preseason. We're number seven in the country. A lot of that's going to be based on our defense and maybe benefit of the doubt what we've done the last two years. Um, ESPN, they did this dumb thing where they project the next three seasons. They do power rankings based on recruiting, based on who you've got coming back, coaching staff, stability, everything else. We're number four in the, the power rankings, right ahead of us, Florida State, then Ohio State, then Alabama. So you kind of have some respect happening there. Um, then on the other hand, I mean, I, I've gotten this, not necessarily, I, I think I got like a two-week grace period after we won the title before people are like, okay, Clemson, like, good, you did it. You had Deshaun Watson, the best player in the game. Let's see how you do after he's gone. Let's see how you can recover, react. Let's see how you do this season. Are you guys getting that at all from your friends or what you've been reading or listening to? Get that from South Carolina fans. Um, but let me put it this way. You don't just beat Alabama with only a quarterback. You have to have a well-rounded football team on both sides of the ball. Um, don't disrespect Alabama in that way. They're a hell of a football team. They're a dynasty. You know? And we went toe-to-toe with them in 2016. Um, Could have pulled that one off, and they won in 2017. Yeah, Clemson is not Oregon. We're not... Deshaun Watson's not Marcus Mariota. He didn't win the Heisman. And... Again, no, you're more not, than your. We're not. No, that team wasn't sphere. one guy. I mean, that one guy had a heck of a lot to do with it. Um, but could we have done it without Mike Williams? Could we have done it without? We didn't do it without Mike Williams. So yeah, yeah there you go. Critical. Uh, you know, the thing that makes these championships or these championship teams so fleeting, in my opinion, is either you have Cam Newton, who is probably the best football player in the last 25 years in college football, or you have really good. That's bold, yeah. I know totally. It's bold. I see you, see your look over there. But or you are you do it in the trenches. That's the foundation of. I mean, that's why why Alabama keeps churning out these great teams. It's in the trenches, and if that's your foundation, if that's the blueprint to success. That's what Clemson's doing, and that's what makes it repeatable. Well, However, I I feel like we're getting hot. Another hot take. I feel like we're getting a little little too much hype, a little bit too much benefit of the doubt, and maybe that's just because I'm a, like a, this long suffering Clemson fan mentality of. You don't want to be overhyped. I don't want to yeah. have expectations too high. I, I think it's yeah. different now. Though. Number seven, that's I, high. I, it's, it's, it's different now, though. This is a really good football team. We could have one of the best defenses in the nation next year, one of the best offensive lines in the nation next year, and still a really, really, really good wide receiving core. Now, we need a quarterback to prove themselves. We need a running back to come in and prove himself. That's where I think we were a little bit different than Alabama in that they, they have these system quarterbacks who they plug in, but they also had to do it do it around a, a very uh, probably the most talented offensive line year in and year out in college football. Our offensive line will probably be the best one we've had in I don't know, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. But I, I still don't. They're not this dominant offensive line where we're gonna just you know fall, lean on our, lung, our run game. Yeah, exactly. So compl- it, we com- rely a lot on the quarterback in our offense. We just do, and we saw it in Cole Stout when he was injured and he stepped in. He just couldn't do fulfill his duties, and you saw the kind of train wreck it was in 2014, despite the number one overall defense in the country. Yeah, but then you you throw in the the wide receiving class that we do have and the fact that, although much respect to Cole Stout uh, and what he gave to Clemson, and he was injured that year, and I don't think, uh, um, uh, what was the old uh, offensive coordinator? Uh, Chad, <laughs> Chad Morris. Chad Morris. Like, <laughs> That guy. Thank you, Chad, for all that you did. Um, was it Billy Napier, man? Come on. <laughs> uh, I don't think he used him the, the best possible way, but come on. I mean, between Kelly Bryant, although I know he can't throw, uh, Zarek Cooper, Hunter Johnson, we're, we're in better shape than that. Um, and combine that with our offensive line. I think we've got, you know, if, if Feaster turns out and is able to put C.J. Fuller look good in the end of last year, he looked good in the spring game. So... I think it is a situation this year where you can consider it similar to what Alabama does in that they rely on a really, really, really good defense, which we will have, a really good offensive line, which we will have, and just some quarterbacks who can make good decisions. I'm not saying I'm not saying we return to the natty next year. I have too much respect for Deshaun Watson and the rest of the team from last year and what they did and how they built themselves into a championship team, how they suffered 
threw the loss at Alabama in 2016, and then came back and won it, coming from behind in brilliant fashion to win that game. Too much respect to just say, yeah, of course we're going to return to the natty. But I'm not saying it's out of the question. I'm not saying number seven is, is overrated because I look at the people ahead of us. Washington, give me a break. I'm sorry. With this team right now, I'll take us over Washington any day of the week. Can't say I disagree with a lot of that. Um, the way I kind of look at it, though, not every team in the country has the same path to try to get back to that pedestal or the pinnacle of getting into the playoff. For us, every year, win the ACC. What has that taken? Beat Florida State. This year, we get them at home. On paper, that would look to be not an insurmountable task, but certainly much more difficult task than the last two seasons when you'd probably give us the playmaker edge, the talent edge, possibly, um, certainly the quarterback edge. This year, it would look like DeAndre Francois. So I think after this U game, clearly it's going to be, that's going to determine and I think who that, wins. I think that's the hurdle that a lot of other teams don't have. Alabama doesn't have themselves uh, a Florida State. I mean, you can try to consider it LSU, but they, that hasn't been a competitive, like the SEC West hasn't been that competitive in the last several years. Does Washington have a team like that? Like, like Florida State, does the Pac-12 have another? I mean, this year is going to be USC in, against Washington. Okay, yeah, but, that, but they don't year. play each other, and in they're the all banking season. on USC from that one bowl game that that quarterback played. He looked great. Yeah, is he going to be able to replicate it this year? Does Ohio State have that 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 team this year? How Penn State? Ohio State does, I think. With Penn, who? Penn, uh, Ohio State looks to be JT Barrett's back, a very legitimate top two team, if not a, a, but a front runner for who, who does. Ohio State. But but who is their okay. Florida State? Michigan. So if that's them, then Michigan or Penn State. I'll, I'll say there's an upper crust in each division aside from the Pac-10 or the Pac-12. You know, you could throw USC. I don't know if they, them or but is anything as Washington competitive, is there yet. Is anything as competitive or if you well, yeah, go, back, go back to Athlon's preview here this year, they, they make the, the argument that Clemson-Florida State is the best game in Florida, uh, college football right now because you know that game alone, the – the the winner of that game that will send somebody to the college football playoff, like that's that's a barometer. It's a valid question. I think it's true. At least the last two seasons, what has been that game overall? You could probably argue Alabama LSU has been that game for a lot of people over the years. Um, maybe Ohio State Michigan, but it, it's been a long time since both of those teams were. But if you look at Alabama LSU. That's been a one-sided contest for about the last six, yeah, exactly, seven years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, same thing. One-sided contest, not only in the Urban Meyer era, but um, previous to that with Trestle. So, yeah, I mean, I think the answer, if you're looking for the best rivalry that happens every year, it has huge implications, Clemson-Florida State. Um, so when I think about Clemson's road back to the playoff, you know, if we want to call it that, or I start with the ACC. Like, let's. how do we get through our schedule in a way that, we win the Atlantic, we can maybe play for a title, and that's when you get back in. I mean, I think if Clemson is able, and we'll touch on the rest of the schedule here, I mean, I don't know. Winning the ACC, obviously, that would be that would probably exceed expectations for where we all sit today coming into the season. But, I mean, I, I wonder if, if Clemson's able to get through the schedule and that FSU game is that only loss, could Clemson, you know, through the difficulty of the schedule, through the goodwill we've built the last couple seasons – qualify for that second team from a single conference to get in you know that's that's a very interesting point um because we discussed that a lot last year but haven't really considered it so much this year and i i figure as the season uh, draws nearer that all the pundits espn and stuff like that will start talking about who can that you know can there be a two uh two team conference they're going to talk about it in context of the big 10 i can tell you right now yeah it's not gonna be the big 12 it's not gonna be the pac 12 might be the Pac-12, but doubtful. I, I don't know what argument there is to make in the SEC right now. Um, well, so and, right and now, Clemson has four top 25 opponents on our schedule. And I know that, that that is rare for an ACC team to have. We host Auburn, we host Florida State, we go to Blacksburg, and then we go to Louisville. Um, and the schedule sets up very nice this year for us. A lot of early challenges. So yeah. that's, yeah, I, I disagree because yeah, of the quarterback, breaking in the new quarterback. I'm a little worried that we could be a great team by season's end, one worthy of going to a playoff, but yet we have two early season bumps in the road that but, prevent but us from getting there. Look at it this way. I mean, Kent State, let's call that what it is. That's going to be a win. Got Auburn at home. Is anybody really that scared of Auburn? Our, our defense is going to dominate, I think. You've I, heard about think. their quarterback. It's Baylor, Jarrett Stidham. He's, he's there now. 
They're preseason number nine. Now, Gus Malzahn does great things with good quarterbacks. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, I saw it last year. Um, so, <laughs> and then... Uh, I'm, I'm actually glad we play Auburn early, though, to your point. Like, I think yeah. giving Gus Malzahn three, four weeks plus to figure out their offensive system, I'd rather, you know, again, take them... I, I need to look up who Auburn has week one, but guarantee it's a cupcake. So. Oh, sure. Well, so then you got Louisville. Uh, at Louisville, week three, Auburn, all, obviously a good test for that, but I think if anything, let's see what we get I, out of Louisville I, I this think, year. I think, yeah, let's before see. Before we start crowning them, you know, you always have Lamar Jackson. I, I'm not saying they're a, a, a playoff team, but they they have Lamar Jackson. He is a, a worthy Heisman guy, and probably the front runner going into next season. Yeah, absolutely. At Louisville, so, I mean, if come anything, on. if I had to pick one loss on this schedule, I would say it's at Louisville, and then. Florida State's the third to last game from the season. Right. By that point, we've got the quarterback thing figured out. If 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 Kelly Bryan hasn't been able to do it or Zarek Cooper, it's going to be Hunter Johnson. Speaking of who is going to be our quarterback, that is... And that's a great question. That's going to be the straw that stirs the drink for this whole season. And, Cody, I want to flip it back to you to get your take on this, but I don't think anyone, including Dabo Sweeney, has any any clue at this point who I, that's going to be. I really don't think they do. And we could talk compare it to Cole Stout back in like going with the senior uh, who's you know been the guy, the second man up, and or I guess he was the third man up last year, and Kelly Bryant, the guy you can trust. But he he's limited. He's I mean, from what we've seen, and we haven't seen a lot, and part of that's his own fault, part of that's a spring, you know, spring game dumb injury could or whatever. Be play it was. calling as well though, in terms of when he has seen action, what the True, yeah, you don't want to air it out. At the, right. But and who you are in, in mop-up duty against Wake Forest is not who you necessarily will be the following season. So, granted, that's you know that's part of it. But he hasn't shown, shown me very much from a, a dual-threat ability. I think we always talk about it. As a, as a quarterback, your, your ability to pass is your fastball. And if you're just throwing – if you're well, I should say if you're just running all the time, you have nothing to even out the fastball. Yeah, he was uh, Kelly Bryant's our best running back right now. He was four thirteen in the spring game. I mean, that's not encouraging. I mean, now, granted, Hunter Johnson was five of thirteen, so that's not much better. But he hasn't been in the program for three years. Right, and the vol like okay, so where we could be nationally if if, if Kelly Bryant or if if it's Zara Cooper, if it's probably Hunter Johnson, it would probably be my top guy. If one of these guys emerges and they look good and they and they can make plays and be competent. This team looks like a, a, a contender because we have Florida State at home. However, if it looks like the opposite, it could just as well be a top 15, maybe a top 25 team. I don't know what it feels like to be that anymore. Yeah, I don't either. And, and <laughs> Defense is going to be damn good. It really is. They but are. You know, I, I think it comes down to a run game. I think we've got talented quarterbacks and a good enough offensive line. If we can establish a run game like between Fuller Choice and Feaster, if somebody comes out and can average four yards a carry, Feaster comes in and has a burst, I think if we can control things on the ground, that really goes a long way uh, to helping us with our quarterback situation this year. Because, listen, we have well, super talented wide receivers. Let's ask ourselves the question, looking at this schedule, how many points a game is Clemson going to have to score to win games against these offenses we're playing? Hopefully not with, 40. With a top-five defense, you could presume. You could maybe pencil us in for that again. Brent Venables, miracle worker. Um, at the helm there, I mean, yes, you already mentioned Lamar Jackson, potent offense, you know, but it's a little bit, you know, you, you, you sever the head and maybe the body gets weak with Louisville. We'll see how their offensive line regroups in the second half of last year and including in the Clemson game, we took him off his game. And it the only reason they were in that game with us last year was turnovers, um, that we kept them in it and they were able to make that, you know, comeback push in the second half. Louisville, though, let's just chalk them up as an above average to great defense or offense that we'll need to play. So we're going to have to take the act on the road. Really, there's no no margin for error from the offense in that game. Probably going to take, you know, four touchdowns or more to win that game. Elsewhere, Florida State. You know, DeAndre Francois, solid. Um, I know they're turning over. Dalvin Cook's gone, but they have playmakers all over the place at the receiver position, and you know they're going to regroup that running back. Florida State, they'll be tough. Who else on this schedule worries you guys? I can say Virginia Tech. Gerard Evans is out. Puente is going to find somebody, but I'm not that concerned there. Um, anybody else? Well, of course, Auburn, but yeah. I do think Virginia yeah. Tech's a tough game. Um, you also got uh, at North Carolina State, uh, sandwiched between Georgia Tech and Florida State uh, in the last part of the season. So We have heard rumblings of game. NC State having one of the best defensive lines in the country. 
And, and that is true. They looked really good against us. They they wreaked a lot of havoc against us last year. I don't I don't take them lightly. Cheap but shots. We lost to Pittsburgh. Deshaun Watson. No, exactly. Lost to Pittsburgh. And almost lost to NC State. And, and should have exactly, lost to yeah, NC State. Exactly. Yeah. Keyword there. So I don't. Yeah, nothing's out of the equation. I mean, it was in 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 terms of turnovers, but Clemson scored thirty what thirty six points in that game. Like again, I I go back to what offenses are going to challenge Clemson. And the thing, it's a it's a the relationship runs both ways. Yeah. Because in terms of offense and defense, not, they don't play the game in a vacuum. Right. So. If our offense is, is turnovers, like you talked about in Louisville, or in the case of, like, go back to Georgia 2014, three and out, three and out, three and out with Cole Stout. And I don't mean that, that rhyme. I didn't mean for it to. But it put the best defense in the country on their heels, and eventually they broke, and that will happen. It happened against Louisville. We were we were just killing Louisville in the first half, but you keep turning the ball over or three and outs, whatever, yeah. whatever the outcome it puts a really great defense. It makes them gassed. Yeah, they can't they can't stay on the field that long. So yeah, so even we had depth on defense last year, a little bit in certain position groups, I guess, and we'll right. probably have more this year in certain areas. But the offense has to be, and that's why I'm I'm thinking which quarterback is the guy, regardless if he's going to put Deshaun Watson numbers up, can move the change consistently and, and not turn the ball over and not turn the ball over. Yeah, kind of like your game manager. And I hate that word because I don't think that's what we. Aspire Our for quarterbacks Clemson. are better than that. Yeah, I, I agree. So, but who is that guy that can move the chains with efficiency? And I, I generally that's who Bama puts, behind, puts under the center, right? Is right. They they find that guy. I mean, um, Nick Saban changed his entire philosophy in you know um, bringing in Hertz to be able to run that offense, kind of with a more dynamic pl- playmaking ability. But maybe this is the year Dabo and Tony Elliott kind of you know, reverse course. And it, again, it's all going to come down to who emerges. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you guys will obviously get into this in some of our preview shows here. And certainly when fall camp comes up and we'll start to get a sense from David Hood and everybody else where the pecking order goes. But I mean, who's your week one starter and are they the week four starter? Maybe it's, I, I mean, I think, that fall practice, fall camp is going to have a lot to do with it. Let's see how Hunter Johnson progresses. Let's see what Zarek Cooper does. Kelly Bryant, I think I've seen enough of him to know that he's not going to be uh, the passer that is going to succeed, that is going to help this team succeed. I think what his talents with his legs is going to be utilized, but I, I do not see him going wire-wire as a starting quarterback. Ben, give us... Give us your guy. That's a that's a very diplomatic answer. Give us your guy, both who you want and who you think it'll be. Well, it's Tucker Israel, clearly. Didn't you see him <laughs> in the spring game? He was amazing. I got Chase Bryce. <laughs> no, I mean, there is kind of an embarrassment of riches already, even without Trevor Lawrence uh, being in the fold yet. Um, I, I still think, I, I said it last year, I, I think Zarek Cooper right now, for me, I would have him going in over Kelly Bryant give him a chance to prove himself because I think I've seen enough of, of Kelly Bryant. Uh, I, I just don't think, yeah, I know it matters who you're throwing against and who you're throwing to when you're going in there and mop up duty, but it's just not accurate. He doesn't have a good throwing motion. He's not a natural quarterback. Zarek Cooper, I think has that ability. And then of course, I think Hunter Johnson, I think, you know, he came in early in role. He gets that, that, that good experience, a valuable experience. And let's see what he does in the fall. I think I agree with everything you said. And that's the first time that's ever happened. Um, no, I agree. Zarek Cooper is not – He, I don't like this comparison so far, but I would call him to date from what we've seen a poor man's Deshaun Watson. He's not as good of a runner. He's not as good of a passer. But he is – he does have good touch, pretty pretty good accuracy, and he has a year of experience in the system. So I think he's he's capable of, uh, of earning the offense. Hunter Johnson, he presents so much upside that I want to say don't mess around – with if he if you think he's going to be the guy in September make him or if you think he's going to be the guy in November make him the guy in in August or September throw if him out got, there against Kent State see what he can up. do yeah right throw him out there let Golden him get flashes. the reps because I think he's got all the potential in the world I'm talking and potentially let, Deshaun Watson potentially and, he really is that good and, and let's face it don't worry about hurting anybody's feelings put the best guy out there because between Kelly Bryant Zarek Cooper, Cooper Tucker Israel Hunter Johnson Chase Bryce and Trevor Lawrence coming in next year. Those are all four- and five-star quarterbacks. Somebody's going to transfer. Like, that's going to happen. Develop the guys the best you can. Put the best one out there. It's not easy to learn the position as a freshman or even a redshirt freshman. And look at Taj Boyd. It took him three years. 
but I just don't think Kelly Bryant is going to give you when, when we need a great play, a player like Deshaun Watson, when he was making great plays in, 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 in those moments, I just don't see Kelly Bryant coming up with those well, passes in, in or it, those running plays. And his future is not in the NFL. His future would not be as a quarterback. Just not going to happen. So why not start making that transition now and utilizing his abilities? Prove us wrong, Kelly Bryant. Just like, just like Wayne Train proved us wrong. Uh, I got an unpopular prognostication. I feel like we're going to see some committee at least the first two, three weeks. Hate committee. Sucks. God, I hate it. I hate it too. I just feel like that's how it's going to be. We'll see. I really hope someone grabs, you know, grabs the bull by the horns, like takes this job and runs with it. And it's undeniable what the kind of one, two, three goes. But I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we'll get there. And I think let's hope the Kent state game is a tune up. And we've seen last year with Troy and in the past with other teams where, you know, we're having a fight to win that game in the second half. Well, here's the thing. Even if we're blowing out Kent State, you start Kelly Bryant and he's doing well, you got to keep him in there for a while just to keep that confidence building to head into Auburn and Louisville. It's not a Deshaun Watson situation where you're up by like, you know, 40 points three quarters of the way through the second quarter and then you just pull him and let everybody else go in, right? You got to keep Kelly Bryant in there through the third quarter just to like, he needs reps because yeah. we, we haven't seen him do it yet. This isn't a video game. You're right. There's a mental aspect of giving the guy, hey, you're the nod. You're our, you're our go-to guy, letting them build that confidence and that goes for all three of them. So that's a good point, Ben. Yeah. Also good though to establish that I think compared to other years, the starting quarterback will have a shorter leash overall compared to who might be next up ready to take that job. So it's also good to keep, you know, kind of a, a fire lit, if, we, if you will, um, under him. So, so I just wish we had a cu- another couple tune-up games before Louisville, is all, all that I will say. Better to lose early in the season than late. It's not going on a losing streak, though. Louisville, Auburn, I Louisville. I, I don't know what that, I don't remember what that <laughs> feels like either. That either. Um, <laughs> not in football, at least. Yeah. Basketball, baseball, different story. Maybe one more... Subplot, subpoint to this would be Tony Elliott. It's it's his third year, and you can mention throw Jeff Scott in there. They're co-offensive coordinators. But last year, we wanted to see them break it out and and just and have all the magical play calls. And a lot of it, you know, there was there were reasons, underlying reasons that they couldn't excel early on. Uh, namely, I, I think Deshaun Watson uh, not being able to use, utilize his legs and and offensive line not getting the same interior push that we thought they would. However. This year, it's like, hey, can we rely on the offensive coordinator the way that in 2012, when Chad Morris arrived, or was it 2011, he just had these like magical plays. He was amazing, and the mad scientist was like capitalizing at every turn. You know, fast forward three or four years, he kind of overstayed his due. But uh, can we see a little magic from the offensive coordinator? You see it from Bobby Petrino. You see it from, from Urban Meyer, the way he runs yeah. Ohio State's offense. Well, when people are talking about, let's see Clemson do it without Deshaun Watson, I think whether they're consciously saying that or not, they're talking about Tony Elliott. They're talking about Skelliot and whether they can... And I want to give them all the credit in the world to realize the potential of this offense and of Deshaun and of the playmakers we had on the team. They get all the credit in the world for me. And I'm sure you can go back and find tape that we were critical of them a year ago, right? Like, for sure. But it's there. They, they did what they needed to. This is exercising a different muscle entirely. It's taking an unknown quantity and coming up with the play, the, the play calls that will, you know, basically like find their way through the maze of this season. With and very different types of quarterbacks. Different personnel, different. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, they're going to earn their paychecks. And um, I, I am confident because, I don't know, it's just been a really solid system. And they were right there with Chad Morris. Um, you know, I, they haven't done without Deshaun Watson, though. That's the thing. Yeah, unproven for sure. But. I don't know, man. I got a good feeling. I go the other way, and I hate I hate that I'm like that. Brent Venables has proven time and time again that he is innocent until proven otherwise. I, I, I go the other way. Like, I'm guilty. Like, I don't think we can do it until proven otherwise. I need to see something first. So I tend to think until we have a quarterback that – and you look at Florida State last year when they were so high on, on uh, Russell on Athletic Bowl. <laughs> ah, that's one game, one game sample. I can't – They I, still make close. They are dropped as a sponsor There's a bowl game, for Georgia yeah. Tech. Georgia Tech was doing well, Russell Athletic. Well, let's think about the opposite side. Are you hamstrung a little bit? And I hate. I mean, that's kind of a stupid thing to say with Deshaun Watson. But does it allow for more creativity when you go in with new quarterbacks? Like you're not 
don't go in with a set game plan and be like, okay, we have to protect Deshaun Watson. Yeah, we're not going to run that, early. Yeah. We're going to hide things. We come in next year with nobody knows what our quarterbacks can do. And and we do have more big play punch with Rary McLeod, more emphasis on that. Deion Kane, I won't say on Renfro, but God, I love him. Um, and then maybe a few of the younger guys. There is T. Higgins. T. Higgins. You see that guy come on campus today? God, uh, Mario Rogers. Cornell too. Powell. Let's don't. Yeah, let's don't discount. You know, Mari Rogers. So more. We didn't have a lot of big plays Legends. last year. We had we had it was Deshaun Watson's brilliance and Mike Williams' catching ability, Jordan Leggett's catching ability, or it was. How do you not throw Hunter Renfro in there? I, I, he can catch, but yards after the catch might not be his thing. He's good at getting down. He's good at with winning the ball, national, with, in with the end zone to win a national championship. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else he's good at? Saving touchdowns, tackling, God. just awareness, winning football games. Anyway, uh, I can't disagree with these guys. We're obviously unproven without Deshaun Watson, but I get what you're saying, Ben. You're kind of like, you know, they were handed the keys to like this perfect vehicle and they didn't run it off the road, thank goodness. Now they get to design their own car, design their own way through this racetrack. And it's exciting. And it's going to be great. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to see what they can do with it. Cody's a naysayer. Um, and, but I, like, I was piggybacking off of what you said. There, there's more of an open book, and I think because there is more big play punch, it lends itself to that. And, and hey, Tavian Feaster, he's the other maybe wild card there. Where Man, like, if, he, if he kicks it into gear, watch out. I mean, that, right. he's a difference maker. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, you know, we talked about can Clemson make it back to the natty this year. I think, I think we all agree if things go right, we're talented enough that it's possible, but we're not going to just write off, like, yeah, of course we're going to be there. And we're not going to feel slighted if people don't predict this. Well, but let me ask you this. Uh, it's not about winning the uh, national championship or going year after year after year. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Do you think there's a possibility that we could be seeing uh, uh, sort of a dynasty building? With Clemson, and again, you don't have to go year after year and win year after year because Alabama doesn't win every year, but they're in the middle of a dynasty right now. Do you see what Clemson is building? We just got the ops facility finished after we won the first national championship since '81. Let me. You see where we're building and recruiting. Yeah. See where our coaching staff, young, everybody's bought in. Do you see us? Do you see that as a possibility? Um, first thing that jumped to mind. And we talked some smack about him in the intro. Was Bob Stoops in Oklahoma, and I have higher aspirations for Clemson than what Bob Stoops did holistically. Meaning he won what one national championship early on in his tenure, um, but they were the model of consistency in college football, and a lot of that was because of how adaptable he was to changes in the game. Um, you know what he did with bringing on different systems into his into his his teams. You know, game plan on both sides of the football, flexibility, et cetera. I think, you know, that's admirable. Um, I think in terms of a dynasty, it's what Stoops in Oklahoma did. You know, in that era, Nebraska was good. Texas was good. But they were always right there. And I think that's that's really what Clemson has to get to is not just four years of being in contention, six years, going on a decade of just being in that cat and mouse race with FSU. Well, and I think and winning more than your fair share. Yeah, and it's winning more than one national championship. Of course. You have to win multiple. I think you right. don't start talking about a dynasty until you've won three, maybe. You know, two, yeah. two. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you is like, what would kind of what's your definition of dynasty? And, you know, we can all say like we are in the middle, maybe the tail end, hopefully the end of the Alabama dynasty. Well, it depends on what you talk about. I mean, it's like if you win three over eight years, plus you have two other uh, appearances. You think Clemson went last year, uh, won this year. Again, three over eight years with a couple other appearances. I think you can start qualifying that as a possibility. I, I think what you have to look to uh, if you relate to pro sports is look what the Patriots have done, uh, that, sending that over a long period of time. Yeah. Alabama, uh, the Yankees uh, in, the, in the late 90s, in the early 2000s. Well, that's you, that's yeah. what we have is, to gauge it on. Is it possible? So, and I'm not saying right, that right. Clemson is those teams. Well, I want to ask you, like, what would it take for Clemson to do that? Well, I, it, it's I, I, consistency. I mean, yeah, and consistency in recruiting. I mean, Dabo was building a program. Which you do with facilities, and you do with a consistent well, coaching. And, and there's the, the core. Could, exactly. There's the key. Dabo. You got to keep him. I mean, that that's the number one thing. I think that's, uh, you're not going to, you don't have a dynasty where you, you know, you change leadership. Switch, yeah, right. Sure. You know, Joe Torrey did that. Forty Niners had it when Seifert took over. Didn't last too long after that, but Nick Saban's so, done it at Alabama. Yeah. It's been Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Uh, 
uh, in the NFL with the Patriots. So I think that's the most important thing, number one. This is why this year is so interesting is because we I think the all of the national guys and for so long we had this chip on our shoulders come some fans because we you know they, we didn't get the respect we deserve we're finally getting it we are we are getting it I promise you it, no matter what anyone says but it's like that year uh, the year where it's like hey can we prove that we're here to stay and I don't think that's necessarily the right way to look at it because I think we could well, just as well go nine and three I think and then and then bounce back stay. and be yeah. an yeah, but we're talking about na- national you. champion on that stage, national championships. It's, it's about how you play those games too. Like, all of us could sit here and be like nine and three, failure, failure of a season. But if we just can't quite get a quarterback footing, but we, the future is bright with Trevor Lawrence, development of Hunter Johnson, whoever else. There are probably circumstances where nine and three doesn't feel like an entire failure of a season. <laughs> yeah, but there are some where it's like it could. And we're it's talking about two thousand eighteen as possibly being our greatest recruiting class ever. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, things, take things are looking to, up. Take me things back to the Tommy Bowden days, yeah. and if you heard us saying these things, it's like insane. So it's helpful to keep perspective, I think, but you're right, Cody. It's going to be, like, the last three seasons, including this one, have kind of had this, like, 2015 was, can we get over the hump? We got Deshaun starting. Like, what can we do? What can we expect from this team? We expected the defense to take a step back. They took a leap forward. It was great. Last year, shit, we lost the Natty. Can we revent? Can we avenge that? Can we get back? You know, a lot of questions swirling around that. This and year, halfway through the season, after the pit loss, we're like, maybe not. We're not looking yeah, good at all. Didn't look and then great. We turn it on at the end of the um, year, and then this year is like, how do you recover from that? How do you bounce back? Like, most interesting three-year stretch I've experienced, and we probably ever will. It's it's new territory for us. We don't know, and, and it's a different game too when you're uh, when you're talking about elite recruiting because what we were doing in 2014, 2015, 16, it was with top 15 recruiting talent, and that, and that's important to note. Uh, and 2015 was a great year. That's talking about that Mitch Hyatt year, Jake from Morgan. I can't you know I can't, I can't even think Austin Bryant, Clunfrow, great players that year. Um, probably our first elite elite uh, recruiting coup. But, I mean, now we're talking about year in, year out. So I, I don't know what it'll look like. And, and also the, the, the other part of that is the three-year in-and-out type guys. It's, it's this rotational thing. Sure. Um, well, the, or egos them. manifest themselves. Quadrera Tankersley was a three-star guy that came from, like, community college that turned into a you know, draft pick. I, I don't know. It's a different game we're playing now. But when you're talking about Trevor Lawrence and, and, and maybe the second coming of Javion Clowney, I, I feel pretty good that we're going to bounce back into, like, a – a solid playoff contender in the next few years. Bounce, bounce back. Can I? I want to. I want to just gush about the defensive line. We don't have to do it this episode, but let me say there is one thing about our 2017 team, and that's the interior defensive line. Nick Fairley from Auburn almost won them single-handedly, shut down the opposing team uh, opposing team's running game to allow them to win the national championship. The one thing that we have in 2017 is a defensive line that I don't want to like be hyperbolic right. here. Yeah. We're talking about two top 10 NFL draft picks, and we're talking about otherworldly athleticism from that position. We're talking about a, a nose tackle, Dexter Lawrence, and a three technique that just won All-American awards <laughs> as a defensive end. We have two more years of Dexter Lawrence. I'm, I'm saying that... Isn't that fantastic? You're not going to run in the A or B <laughs> gap against Clemson in 2017. That could be, that could be enough to... Uh, I don't know. And there's good depth for spelling these guys, too. Like... As long as they stay out of car wrecks. <sighs> Seriously. So, so let me uh, let me ask this one more thing then. Maybe not winning a national championship is the next step. Let's not talk about it, the dynasty. <laughs> uh, do you see – how does Clemson win two in a row? Is that something they do with Trevor Lawrence? It, it, what's, or Hunter what'll Johnson be, giving these recruiting classes? We're going to look back in five years or it's ten timing. years and talk about Hunter Johnson and Trevor Lawrence and how that shook out because they'll both be in the NFL probably – Maybe starting at some point for two teams. Barring injury. I mean, we all saw what happened yeah. with Willie Korn. I mean, it doesn't yeah. always pan out. It so doesn't lot, always good pan point. out. Good point. A lot is about timing. And, you know, for a long time, we talked about the two, 2016 season. It was when you're going to get the last year to Sean Watson. You're going to get, you know, Mike, possibly Mike Williams come back. But really peaking at the right time with the way your recruiting sets up and throughout your roster. And when I look ahead at maybe the next – you know, next year, a lot of the vaunted recruiting class will be true freshmen. Um, but we'll lose Christian Wilkins after this year. We'll lose 
Dexter Lawrence after next year? Like, what is the year from talent that's setting up to be our next best shot at the national championship? I don't think it's this year. This would not be anyone's answer for the next. No, I, I wouldn't put money for the on next it. Yeah, one. Any reasonable person would not put money on because but, there's too many question yeah, marks. But would does 19 feel better than 18? I guess is the question. <laughs> When's the natty in uh, San Francisco? 19. Yeah. So this year it's in Atlanta. Next year it is in LA. No, 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 no. Oh, it's in SF after that. Atlanta, it's in Santa Clara, SF, yeah. New Orleans. So it's going the 2018 to all season. Yeah. Becomes the 2019 title. We and will have a great quarterback in 2018, whether that's Hunter Johnson, if it's Derek Cooper, if it's Hunter, or if it's Trevor Lawrence. We will have a great quarterback by that point. I still think the offensive line will be very formidable, even if we lose Mitch Hyatt. Defensive line, Dexter Lawrence would be the best defensive player probably in the nation. So even with Christian Wilkins' departure, I feel good there. I think that's the year, and I don't think like 18. the way you you could see the depth chart kind of formulating or culminating, like you were talking about in sixteen. But we're talking top fifteen recruiting talent back then, where it's like, oh, look at Mike Williams, look at Artavis Scott, yeah. like, oh shoot, I see Deshaun Watson. Well, we had it's a little bit different two now. Finishes with top fifteen players. Hunter Renfro was a walk on. Right, you never saw that coming. <laughs> but you never know. Like, look at Ohio State. Like, you see this guy like Hooker emerging. He was this redshirt guy, and they, oh, now he's going to the now he's going to the NFL. Well, that could be Trayvon Mullen in 2018. Like, that's what happens when you recruit five star talent. Again, uncharted territory. We don't know what's we don't know, we we never been here before. But 18 is there's a chance. Is there any other X factor? Let's say coaching talent they need to add to get us there. I think we, I think we'll figure out what we have in our offensive coordinators and and realize if they're ready for the I mean, big time. Yeah, I, I don't think they are elite offensive coordinators yet. I think they're good. If Dabo's proven anything, he knows how to surround himself by very very talented coaches. That's part of the reason we made it to a national championship two years in a row and won one. Um, that's why we have Deshaun Watson. Uh, that's why we've had one of the best defenses in the nation uh, the past several years. So. Again, trust Dabo. Last question, and we could wrap it for today. Um, as fans, it's been a pretty quick ascent to this position for, for Clemson fans. What, what feels like you'll be satisfied with what comes out of this program the next few years? I mean, is it going to take another national championship for you to feel like, man, I lived in the golden age? I mean, for me, I think I'm already there. Certainly, I want success to continue. That'll only validate this first title and forever that much more. Um, I'm just trying to enjoy and keep perspective on what it was like when I was at school, first few years out, when we started this damn podcast. It is uncharted territory, as you said, Cody. It's still okay to have expectations. I think it would be a huge disappointment if we go another 35, 36 years, whatever it was, (laughs) without winning one. And I think that's the same disappointment that was felt after the 81 championship. Um, and then all the controversy in the NCAA scandals or whatever around the, the, the Danny Ford era that really derailed this program for a long period of time. Um, so yeah, it would be a huge disappointment. I think that this window is, is wide open and it's very bright for Clemson. And I think that it's time to take advantage. And this is what Clemson fans like got the taste of it. You know, with that 81 national championship and all the success that, that Clemson had um, in the late 70s and throughout the 80s. So this is the reincarnation of that. And, you know, I, I think we should expect and hope that it exceeds uh, the things, those things that we experienced in the past. There used to be this old thing kind of we're talking about when we looked at 2016 is that year. It's just kind of that pinnacle of the depth chart just aligning in just the right way. <laughs> where there's certain teams around the country, I can't name any offhand, uh, where you think every five years you're going to have that one year where all the seniors kind of align just the right way, your recruiting aligns and everything hits. Like Michigan State basketball. Right, yeah, Michigan. That's actually a good example um, because they don't really recruit a lot of one-and-dones. Um, so that's a good example. But uh, for Clemson, I, it, it's a year-to-year thing, and I think we're about to experience something new. And I think it's 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 a championship. I won't say championship or bust, but it's playoff contention or bust. Um, probably from here on out, we'll give this year like a certain uh, pass if it doesn't quite hit. But 
Uh, after that, I think it's a championship or bust. And how long we can sustain that, I have no idea. But I don't think the depth chart won't be looking for that that perfect peak where we find Christian Wilkins on and Jadar Johnson. You know, it's like oh, they're both well, going to be seniors and you know, sophomores. best guys at their position in a generation. Remember, right? We're yeah. we're just now going to start benefiting now moving forward, benefiting off of winning a national championship. Yeah. We weren't benefiting from that when we won this last one. So again, I, I think it's all up. It's all looking up from here. Good time to be a Clemson Tiger. I, I can't complain. Uh, well, not sure where we are, but let's wrap it there, guys. Um, in terms of commitment to record more often, just like Clemson won't go 36 years till the next Natty, we will not go four and a half months till our next podcast. Um, I'd say probably in the next two weeks you could expect another show. Clearly, we have a lot to dig into topically with this year's upcoming team. There'll be recruiting news. Um, we're going to look ahead at the schedule and the opponents, get a little deeper on that content. So uh, stay tuned for more. Appreciate you sticking with us through the hiatus. Um, check us out online. We're at SoundCloud. That's where we post all our shows. Just look for the podcast. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And um, you can also subscribe to us in your favorite podcasting app. Anything else to add, boys? I'm just glad we're back. I got so excited just getting back into it reading up on everything, um, and I'm uh, surprised it was this long. But again, we had life things going on, so give us a break. We did a 100-day countdown for the last two years, but we don't have to do that anymore because I think we're already at like 60 days, Sweet. right? Yeah, Yeah, we already cut down the first like we're, 25. <laughs> we're national champions for another 60 days. No, nah, longer than that till the next one's crowned. Yeah. I guess. I give it to the beginning of the season, but anyways, enjoy it. That's right. Uh, thanks as always, guys, and... Go Tigers. I'm so, I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home.